You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. Hello everyone, welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third Robin, Tim Drake. We will be looking at the classic 90s 2000 Robin series and other notable comics with Tim in that era, while also simultaneously taking a look at Tim in the modern era as Red Robin in the pages of DC Comics, plus other Robin and Batman happenings in the world. So sit back, relax, and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. Welcome to episode 57. This prod podcast. <laughs> Let's try that again, Rob. <laughs> See, I'm already I'm fumbling already. We're just going to go. This is a warts and all episode, folks. This podcast is brought it's to you. A, it's a podcast about cattle prods. Cattle We're talking prod. about all different kinds. <laughs> all. <laughs> you know what? You guys know where the podcast is at. We're located at thebatmanuniverse.net. We're a proud a member of Batman on Films, the podcast network.com. You can get a hold of us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Email's kind of thin, but I know that's old school, but but if you want to email, you can email in at robineltdpodcast at yahoo.com. Go check out the YouTube page. Uh, Terrence has been putting up some really cool content. If we can get up to 100 likes, he can actually name the uh, YouTube channel instead of www.youtube.com slash r5934j. So, <laughs> uh, And with that, Terrence is here uh, getting uh, ready to do this little uh, intro to the podcast. How are you doing this afternoon on a Friday, Terrence? Yeah, do it excellent. And uh, since you just touched on it, the YouTube channel, uh, I think we're up to 60 uh, subscribers, so nice. we need 40 more. And our most viewed video was a Poison Ivy statue uh, from the animated series that I purchased last summer with justifying it to myself, saying that I would sell it because it was on clearance for $15. And I, I don't know why that particular video has the most views, but it's, it's got the most views. And I actually did sell it. I put it on eBay um, about two weeks ago and sold it for, I think, around $30. And then with the – I got something back for shipping and then with the eBay. Uh, so I think I made like 10 or $12 off of it and got to have it for a year. So, <laughs> I, And I only sold it. I didn't want to, but I'm running out of space and space is an issue. Oh, and we had some discussion about closet space in my household here. So I figured I, I need to liquidate a couple things. So um, if you watch that Poison Ivy video, she is now in the hands of some somebody on eBay. <laughs> uh, space is a commodity in our house. You know, we don't have kids and we're not planning on, which we'll go into a topic in just a second, but I thought, oh, we've got these two extra rooms, and I've got all my collectibles and books and videos and different things, and I'm like, for two people not having kids, we got a lot of crap, and yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm glad, I'm glad's the wrong word, It it's a good thing that there's not another living person in this house, because my wife's like, where would we put 
a baby. We don't. <laughs> yeah. We barely have enough room for our crap, let alone another human being. So, uh, with that, that was uh, that was our segue into this. Uh, uh, Terrence, why don't you take this next little uh, bit here? Yeah, so if you notice, we're missing somebody right now, and I'm not talking about Tim, who is our guest on this podcast. Uh, we're talking about the third co-host, Ryan, and Ryan is not here because we're proud to uh, announce and congratulate him on his own little sidekick. Um, his wife, um, a couple weeks early, gave birth to their daughter, uh, which is a cool Batman name here, Nora, if anyone loves the Heart of Ice <laughs> animated series. I just, when I saw Nora, I could hear is that Mr. Freeze, Nora, but then <laughs> And Ryan, Ryan also pointed out that it's also the, the name of the Flash's mother, Nora, um, Nora Allen. Yep. So uh, congratulations, Ryan and his wife and their family. And we wish you guys the best. And it's funny because, um, if, you know, I live in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. And we're not too far from Durham. And I've been doing Ubering over the summer. And Uber brought me up to Durham, which I don't go to very often, even though I used to work there. And uh, they opened up a new uh bar slash restaurant near the Durham Bulls baseball stadium. And if anybody's been to Durham, the Durham Bulls, they're minor league, but it's a huge stadium. Like it is a, it is a big stadium for minor leaguers. And the name of the restaurant is called the bullpen for the bulls, which I believe the actual name of a, a pitcher's bullpen comes from the Durham Bulls. Cause they have this oh, wow. big, um, billboard out for the, the bull Durham and, and, uh, their big bull. And I think that's where it got the name bullpen from. Um, and I went in there just to use the bathroom. How do you go to the bathroom? So I, <laughs> I parked the car, went and used the bathroom in the bathroom, you go through the bar and then they have this room that has about, I would say 15 or so classic pinball machines. Wow. Like, I don't think there's a pinball machine from before the, 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 uh, or I should say after the 90s. I think the oldest one I saw, they had a, um, a Twister. Remember the movie Twister? Yeah, yeah. They had a Twister pinball machine. There may have been a newer one I missed, but they had the classic Jack Nicholson, Joker, uh, Vicky Vale, uh, Michael Keaton, Batman 89 pinball machine there. Mm. Uh, and I was like, oh, wow. So I immediately took a picture and sent it to, to Rob and sent it to Ryan. And I think a couple days later, Ryan went with his wife and it was the day before she gave birth. So I wonder <laughs> if, if she was actually like starting labor while Ryan was there playing the pinball machine. And, and that's going to be the story, you know, <laughs> I was in labor and your father was playing Batman <laughs> pinball and but honey is it's the 89 batman yeah <laughs> she may have just gone into labor just because he was playing like oh do we really yeah. have to do that and bam that that's where it was <laughs> yeah, I, I know how to get out of this yeah i'm having the baby oh crap no wait i really am <laughs> yeah <laughs> That would have been a story we were at all the way to this baseball stadium yeah yeah, yeah. uh so. and i we were had have been talking about recording our next uh, podcast, which this is episode fifty seven, and I always say a little peek behind the curtain. The series, these last three that you've heard, including this one, which you haven't quite heard yet, but you know what I mean, uh, was recorded all in one chunk, and I think. I kind of get tunnel vision, and I hope it's not <laughs> you guys aren't just seeing the clock tick by. But when we start recording, you know, I think I have these things like, oh, we'll be in and out of this in no time. And I don't think I realized that we were approaching a like two and a half, almost three hour mark. It it just kind of goes. I mean, does the podcast recording go by quick for you, or unless you have something to do, do you just kind of look at the clock and be like, oh wow, I didn't realize we were talking that long. 
No, it goes by really quick. In fact, you know, my wife sometimes gives me a little grief for how long I'm doing the podcast. Oh, I'm, and, I'm not and, the only one. <laughs> yeah. And a few times, uh, like we started recording at two or something. And I, I thought when we got done, I thought, oh, well, this one was kind of quick. At least I won't be in trouble. And I'll look and it'll be like five or six o'clock. And I'm like, holy crud, how did that yeah. happen? Like, like, yeah, it goes by really fast. So I, at least on the, my end, I'm really trying to be conscious of you know, watching the time. And as I'm editing stuff, I'll hear her go, we're not really talking about anything. So I'll take chunks of the shows out and I'll go, Oh, that's where we lost an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I told Terrence, this is only going to be 10 minutes and probably like 40 minutes later, the intro of the show will be done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I wanted to record the beginning of this episode because there wasn't one like the previous one that Terrence and I, uh, had done. So this is going to wrap up the, a nightfall part of the saga. So it's kind of like bittersweet to kind of get to this point, but this is kind of where a lot of podcasters, if they're going to cover Batman, obviously they're going to cover this. Uh, very few go into prodigal, which will be one of the next things we do once we do the little bit of a zero hour that we're going to do. But uh, well, Ter- Terrence did mention this, and I think you were going to talk about the radio drama. Is that correct? Yeah, I was going to say it's bittersweet because this is the end of the BBC radio drama, mm-hmm. and I'm going to miss it. I've really enjoyed listening to it. It's funny because all of the voices, the first moment I hear the voice, I'm like, oh, my God, what? Huh? No, that's not Tim. Dr- oh, that's not Dick Grayson. <laughs> oh, my God, where they get this guy for Batman? But it really kind of grows on you, mm-hmm. and you really get into it, and – Man, this the the last episode, the the John Paul Valley stuff, or the, as they say in it, they're like Jean Paul Valley, like they, yeah. they really they really French it. Um, Jean Paul Valley, I'm like I've been calling him Valley all these years. Uh, he he goes really over the top. He's really good, but I I love the guy who plays Batman. And my favorite was in the I think it was two episodes ago or the last episode. He's doing push-ups and he's like he's this Bruce Wayne and he's doing push-ups and he's like 80, 89, 90. 2091, a personal best as the Batman. <laughs> and that was like such classic Adam West. Like I, I could say, like I don't even know what my personal best push-ups were. I'm sure it's probably like in the 30s when I was 12 or something. But right. I could just see that, like a, a Batman keeping count of his personal best and being in the 2000s. Yeah, and it was really kind of funny to hear them because it's a radio drama. They have to overly explain something. Like yeah. when Nightwing and the voice for Nightwing, uh, I think somebody had said, well, they get to hire Timothy Dalton to do the voice of uh, Nightwing or whatever. And he's like, uh, Tim, I was the first Robin. You know, they have to explain like, <laughs> yeah. like you don't know who Nightwing is. And uh, like, why are you coming at me with that knife? <laughs> yeah, just those little things. But I, I am going to uh, miss doing that. It made the little synopsis uh, go a little easier, which uh, surprise, there'll be a synopsis in this one. It'll be done by uh, yours truly. But uh, I thought that was – it was nice to kind of have that, and it kind of made our jobs a, a little easier, and I was always kind of finding those little bits. So it's out there online. Um, I mean, you can probably go to YouTube, and I'm sure there's a video out there of somebody took you know screenshots of the comics and then put the uh, BBC radio drama. I think you can find it on eBay fairly cheap. Uh, I still have mine on cassettes, and then uh, years later I found uh, a digital version of it. So that's been really handy to kind of have and just kind of help illustrate things. But like Terrence said, you'd hear some voices, and I would go, no, I don't think Tim sounds like that. But like, like you said, after a while, it, it kind of grew on you 
So that's kind of fun. It's uh, it's out there. You can find it fairly easy. And I I broke it up and only used you know certain chunks of the story that we're talking about. But it's it's a nice listen to. I think it's about three hours uh, in length. And it was kind of cool to hear Michael uh, Goff Gar Go. I never know how to say his last name, but you know, yeah, Alfred of nineteen eighty nine movie fame. It was kind of cool to hear his voice back in there. Um, and uh, I'd also say too, like I. It's really cool how faithful they were to the comic, mm-hmm. you know, like and even when they did deviate, it seemed like it was done, like a good choice because it is a radio drama and they they can't do it exactly like the comic. And I felt like they it, how should I say this? I felt like it was done, like for the right reasons, mm-hmm. not just like, oh, let's change this or why did they do that? Like you could say like, oh, that's a little different, but I get it. I see why they did it. So that that was really cool at being a comic book lover that that these other people for the BBC um, really did like uh, appreciate what was on the page there and so of merit and value in it and put that in their drama. And if you ever want to hear another great radio drama, um the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That actually, a lot of people know that as a book or the movie, but that actually started as a BBC radio drama. Oh, wow. And, and uh, to listen to the original BBC radio drama, and actually, there's a really good book, and I lent it to my brother, and I never got it back. I got to get that back. But <laughs> written written by uh, Neil Gaiman, who, if you're a comic oh. book fan, you certainly know who Neil Gaiman is. Um, and I, I can't remember the name of the book now. I think it might be called Mostly Harmless, but it's the story of the history of um, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, how it started as a radio drama and all the different variations and all the sequels and uh, everything. Uh, and it's it's a really interesting behind the scenes kind of kind of look of things. So even if you're not a huge fan of that uh, series or that book, it, the Neil Gaiman's writing is, you know, second to none and he, he really weaves a really cool story about the whole publishing and the and apparently um uh and i'm getting way off track here but what's interesting <laughs> is like they were writing that radio drama like right up to showtime like the, oh, the author wow. was like writing stuff as they were getting ready and handing them stuff as they were doing it and so it's it's pretty cool Wow. But the BBC is the best at that. And as I mentioned, there's a Superman one, uh, which I've never listened to. I only found out about it last night, actually, uh, when I was looking through through uh, YouTube. And so we're, we're going to have to listen to that and see how many of the actors are the same or, or sound effects and things like that. Yeah, I think even between uh, the Nightfall radio drama and the uh, Tim Drake Legends of Robin radio drama, I think some of the voice actors dipped back and forth uh, in between uh, that as well. And I think there is the Lazarus effect, I think, is a radio drama. And I can't remember what Batman books it is, but the Batman that plays uh, in this radio drama also reprises his role in that one as well. I'll have to find... I'll put it on the uh, uh, Facebook page uh, if anybody wants to... Uh, know the proper name of that so you can uh, check it out uh the last little thing i had uh for uh terrence and i just to get into this uh episode you're getting ready to listen to is uh like i said with you know now that we've completed nightfall we're kind of going to dip our toe a little bit into the zero hour and hit prodigal but beyond that when people do batman podcasts you don't hear much about the robin issues after this, unless it's in like Contagion or No Man's Land or some big stuff, but after this, we're kind of getting into, you know, uncharted territory for uh, Robin issues, and there are some issues that I probably only read 
when I bought it off the newsstand and probably haven't cracked it open since. And I know there's a handful of books that I've never read after I, you know, I collected the whole series. So I just kind of want to ask, are you kind of looking forward to getting into some books that maybe you've never read since 1997 or, you know, 95 or whatever those uh, issues were? Yeah, definitely. And what's cool is we know that all the Robin stuff is written by one guy, Chuck Dixon. So yeah. it's not going to be all over the place. And it's kind of it'll be cool to see like where he was going with certain things. I know after the whole Nightfall, Night Quest, Night's End, there was a lot of backlash because of the whole um, just event fatigue. And they did like make an attempt to kind of keep stories self-contained within the books for a little while. And with Zero Hour coming up and, and resetting a lot of stuff, that also kind of kept a lot of stuff in-house. So I think for, for a little while, Robin kind of stays um, just Robin and his stuff going on with his dad is now back and um, his dual life and the spoiler and all that stuff. Uh, and I can't remember, what's the next big event in the Batman series. The next big event, uh, I was just pulling up Mike's Amazing World that I uh, use here. So the next big event, I'm looking at Robin, oh, duh, Robin 8, of course we know what happens there. Uh, the next big one, I believe is Contagion, I okay. think. Um, is there a prodigal crossover in Robin, or is that all contained in the Batman books? Uh, that's that's in uh, Batman, Detective, and Robin. Okay. So, uh, that that'll be i guess that's the next big crossover but it stays between those three it doesn't pull in catwoman or you know any of those other books and i'm scrolling through here really quick so this may be an edit on my part just so you're not hearing me uh, click 900 times uh <laughs> through the series but yeah uh, prodigal ends in robin 13 uh, that's the conclusion so i believe it goes like batman detective robin kind of in that order uh, but uh, shortly after that, um, you know, we have Troika, which I forgot about that because that's Bruce Wayne's f first time back being Batman officially until, you know, you get to Batman R.I.P. Um, but yeah, yeah, Contagion will be the next one. There's a brief crossover in uh, Robin 17 where King Snake makes his final uh, appearance, and that's uh, tied in with Batman and Detective uh, both, so... Yeah, uh, Contagion would be the next uh, big thing that we would have to tackle. Um, there's the Underworld uh, storyline in Robin 23, where there's a whole Underworld crossover in the DC, but I think that was wrapped up uh, rather short. So we'll have to kind of pick and choose uh, how we kind of talk about the overall uh, crossovers and it kind of keep it contained to Robin. So uh, that's all I had for this. Oh, hey, I, yeah. one more thing before I, I let me catch up. Although even though we're looking forward to that, I'm sure we'll have some um, modern day 2017 slash 2018 Tim Drake stuff going on because it looks like um, he's uh, going to be a big part in whatever DC has planned for the whole Watchmen crossover. Um, and I want to ask you, did you want to lay down a, a prediction of who is in that cell next to Tim Drake that he can't leave for? Or Wow. Um, I'm not sure. Um, I, I go between uh, the Batman Beyond version of Tim Drake that he could see himself, and then I have a prediction for Oz next. So if it's not seeing his older self from the future, um, I want to say it's going to be Connor Kent. Um, I really... Uh, my hope would be 
that Tim gets out, and if he doesn't decide to come back to Earth or wherever he's at because Connor's there, that there's a Young Justice series or something like that with him and maybe uh, Bart Allen and Impulse. We haven't seen Bart Allen since the end of the New 52. So that'd be kind of cool to see those three and them kind of relaunch a Rebirth version of Young Justice. I think that would be uh, pretty cool because Cassie, I don't think, has been seen either since that point. I believe she was a member of that for a while as well. So that that would be my guess that it's... uh, Connor Kent, Superboy. Um, so I don't know how they're going to play that with having John uh, Kent, the current Superboy, with Damien. Um, and then my guess for Mr. Oz that if it's not young Tim Drake or Batman Beyond version Tim Drake, that that's who um, Mr. Oz is. So that's that's my prediction. I'm probably wrong. Terrence, do you have a, a guess? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the logical thing would be it'd be somebody tim knows so that goes connor or uh bart allen and then um if you figure jeff johns is a big part of it and you look at his teen titans run because writers tend to go with characters that they've you know worked with or really like uh but at this point i it could be anybody i i don't know but if i had to bet on somebody i'd have to probably say connor kent um ozzy or uh, Mr. Oz, you know, like there's maybe it's Ozymandias from The Watchmen. Right. At first, it's not Dr. Manhattan because he was in something else and um, he's he's been placed somewhere else. I had a thought that maybe he might actually be a good guy because if you look, you know, he, he kind of saved or he saved Tim Drake's life right. by doing that. And then he saved Superman by taking away um, Doomsday in the fight in Action Comics. But um, from what I'm reading in the solicitations, it doesn't sound like he's a good guy. And then there was one solicitation where it actually said it was for an Action Comics coming up. It's going to have a lenticulated cover. I don't know the number. And um, it said, like, uh, Mr. Oz's uh, – I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it in front of me. But it said, like, Mr. Oz's identity will rock the last son of Krypton to his core or something like that. Yeah. So it's got to be somebody Superman knows. And I thought it was odd that they – used the phrase last son of krypton now maybe i'm just reading too much into it maybe who was ever writing that copy was just like i've used superman three times and man of steel five i need something else what else do we call this guy oh last son of krypton but i was reading in saying well why would they use last son of krypton unless this is somebody connected to krypton somehow and somebody powerful so then i was thinking well who would rock his that and i was thinking well maybe his father Jorel, maybe it's Jorel or maybe Jorel from like an alternate um universe somehow because uh, i have a feeling a lot of this is going to play out with multiverse stuff with the watchmen being in one universe and all that so if i had a bet i would say some kind of Jorel for mr oz and, and some kind of, somehow he's a villain but he thinks he's the good guy like he thinks he's saving people um but yeah, it's 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 got me really intrigued. They've done a great job at getting my curiosity and, and getting me to buy these comics. There is another theory out there that I'm starting to lean towards, and I'm going to get the crises confused. So maybe you can help me. Which is the one where Superboy Prime punches reality that brings Jason Todd? Was that Identity or Infinite? Infinite Crisis. 
Yeah. So the theory is that Superboy Prime hated the universe so much that he broke the reality and fractured all this stuff. So if the DC current Rebirth characters are missing 10 years of their life and their time, people are thinking that Oz could be Superboy Prime. That they want to pull a bait and switch and make you think Dr. Manhattan took all this time from reality that it could be Superboy Prime instead. And that would tie in Jeff Johns' previous writing. I could see that because for a while that's how DC explained any inconsistencies, that Superboy Prime punched the wall of the universe (laughs) and caused it to happen. And I can't even remember the last time Superboy Prime was seen in the DC universe. And for some reason, I feel like it was before New 52. I don't remember seeing him in New 52. And I do remember, like, the the last time I saw him, and if I wish I could see it, and maybe he's been in here before this, but he was, like, on a different universe. I think actually on our Earth. I think he was supposed to be on our Earth. And he was looking at, like, comic books of... um, what was going on in like blackest night or something like that. And he was all angry about the comic book, but he was like trapped. Like they were saying, like he was trapped on our world. So, you know, I, 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 yeah. And Jeff Johns has written a lot of that Superboy prime stuff. And he had him as, I think in the green lantern core or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think Jeff Johns wrote that infinite crisis as well. So if Jeff Johns is a big part of it, I, definitely would put uh, favorable odds on Superboy Prime being either in that cell or something that, yeah, or being Mr. Oz. But it's kind of weird. Why would he be called Mr. Oz? Uh, and But who knows? Yeah. You know, yeah. It'll probably some off-the-cuff um, remark like, oh, that's why they called him Oz. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, our short intro, uh, according to Skype, is about 30 minutes. So there's yeah. a 30-minute intro to the 30-minute show. So there you go. Uh, and our show has now been born. So we're going to kick it over to our previous discussion from the last episode. And we're going to conclude the Nightfall saga with Robin number nine. And uh, you'll hear Terrence, Ryan, and myself, and our special guest, Tim, who... Uh, we managed to stretch him out on three shows. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so without further ado, here we go. Well, with that, let's move into uh, the some of the Aftermath books. The only one we're going to be looking at here for the podcast is Robin number nine. And uh, it's got Batman and Robin back on the cover again. And uh, the cape always bothered me, uh, seeing uh, the yellow cape where it's probably just a coloring gone wrong. Uh, you know, should be black, <laughs> you know. there was I was of one mind, you know. Back in like '94, of going, I had to take a black sharpie and color that cape in the right <laughs> color. But no, I didn't. I, I knew better to, to not to. <laughs> I know what you mean, though, Rob, because that's what made that new Robin suit so cool for me. <laughs> that black and with the yellow on that cape. So I can see why it would bug you so much. <laughs> I was like, come on, you guys have the character models, like those little <laughs> things. You know, like in some of the like Scooby Doo cartoons where the bat symbol on Batman would invert in color, the the bat would be yellow, then the the black would the yellow would yeah. be black, and you have know, an extra frame. It's like, did I just see that? <laughs> Again, this is written by uh, Chuck Dixon with art by uh, Tom Grummet. Uh, we have Robin returning into the Batcave, and this is where the audio drama uh, stops. And we actually hear Alfred in the audio drama, which Alfred doesn't return for uh, quite a while yet. It's not till. Nightwing goes out and brings 
uh, Alfred back in. So they wrap it up in a mm-hmm. nice little bow for the audio drama. So we're done with the audio drama. All right, I'm going to interrupt myself right here. Like I said, the uh, audio drama does not exist for uh, Robin number nine. They wrapped it up in a nice little bow. And I kind of miss doing some of these uh, synopsis with a little bit of help and borrowing, if you will, from the DC uh, Wiki uh, page. They have uh, some synopsis for some of these issues. For the expedience of time, I'm going to use their synopsis. And I had to kind of rearrange a few things here. So hopefully that is okay with you guys. So uh, the information for this issue, again, you can find at a wonderful uh, website if you're wanting to look up who wrote things or just like what the chronology of some events are. This is a really good resource, Mike's Amazing World. And the information for this, Robin number nine, uh, the cover date is August 1994. The on-sale date is July 5th, 1994. The cover price was $1.50. The the Dennis, the editor was Dennis J. O'Neill. The title of this issue is Triumph. It's written by Chuck Dixon, penciler Tom Grummet, inker Raymond Kersing, letter is Albert Tobias D. Gunsman. Wow, I got that right, I think. Colorist is Adrian Roy. And again, like the previous issues for Nightfall, they have all been reprinted in Batman Night's End trade paperback 1995, uh, Batman Nightfall Part 3 Night's End trade paperback 2000, Batman Nightfall Volume 3 trade paperback 2012, and coming, I believe, in 2018 is the third third volume of the Nightfall Omnibus, and I believe uh, this and the Catwoman Aftermath will uh, be in there as well. Robin number nine, The Triumph. Robin returns to the Batcave. Not sure what he'll find there. He's relieved to discover Bruce Wayne there after Jean-Paul has left for good. Bruce tells Robin that he has plans to make a few changes, but leaves before making it clear what those changes will be. Tim returns home, hoping to catch some sleep, but as soon as he goes to bed, he is called by his father as they are going to buy a new family car. After the Drakes settle on a van that will help Jack take his wheelchair, the Drakes return home and Tim tries to get a little bit more of that sleep that is eluding him when Ariana calls him on the phone. And she says, we have to talk in person. Tim picks up Ari in the van and gets to talk to one another for the first time in quite a while. He parks the van and the two begin to talk. Ari decides to tell Tim the truth about her mistake with one of their classmates, Glenn. But Tim can't help it and falls asleep in the middle of her heartfelt confession. Tim is only awoken by the slamming of the van door as Ari has left in anger. When Tim gets home, it's late and all he wants to do is sleep the night away. Unfortunately, the bat signal is shining in the sky and Tim goes into action as Robin. When he doesn't find Bruce in the Batcave, he takes the Redbird and goes to the Gotham Museum of Antiquities, where the police department have the building surrounded in order to capture the thugs inside. Robin sneaks into the building unnoticed, and he comes across one of the thugs. Taking the man down, Tim learns the location of the rest of the criminals and goes to keep an eye on them from high above the rafters. Robin is only waiting for Batman to make his move, but in the meantime, he falls asleep. Again and misses Batman's first move. When he wakes up, Robin watches as Batman takes down most of the thugs and he jumps into action, saving Batman from a sneak attack. After taking the thug down, Robin says to Batman, you left your back wide open. Batman replies, no I didn't, because you had it. After capturing the thugs, Batman tells Robin, the job is yours if you still want it, and the dynamic duo move out of the museum, allowing the police to do their work. When the police learn that the place has been cleared, Commissioner Gordon is glad to have the repaired bat signal but is still unsure about the future with Batman. 
think this is a, a really cool issue of Tim just kind of wondering what his place and what his uh, role is going to be when he uh, enters the Batcave, wondering kind of what he's going to find. The last time he entered the Batcave, after there being a fight, he found his mentor on the ground, and he's not entirely sure if he's going to find that again or what the outcome is going to be or are the two going to be drinking a beer together or is Bruce Wayne going to be sprawled out on the floor so you have this kind of uneasiness in Batman and he's kind of telling Tim that uh, they're going to talk later and Tim's just wondering like what's going on what's what's his future going to be and it's this isn't the joyful return of Bruce Wayne that I think he thought he was going to get so I think it's kind of left, you know, Bat fans wondering, you know, from the last issue, like, oh, Bruce Wayne's back. And upon reading this, you're kind of getting the impression that Bruce is having doubts and second thoughts and just contemplating what he's going to do and knows that he's made mistakes in bringing in Jean-Paul. And uh, so I just kind of want to kick that out to you guys, kind of what you thought of Bruce and uh, Tim's discussion here. Uh, Terrence, do we lose Terrence? Still on the call. <laughs> well, let's kick it over to Ryan. <laughs> okay, he Ryan's paying attention. Robin number nine. It's it's one of those issues where it's actually kind of a breath of fresh air. I mean, we, we just finished one of the biggest and most involved Batman crossovers ever, and what it does is it kind of takes a step back and slows down and. Being that it's an issue of Robin, that's actually what this is. It kind of slows down and just kind of puts everything into perspective. It's from, you know, Tim's perspective about, well, what happens now and is Bruce really back and how do, how does this all work and how does this all fit together? So there's just a lot of really good character moments and in the, in, in the issue, there's, there's a few parts I don't like, which I'm sure <laughs> I think we can get into, but, but, uh, my favorite part of the issue is, is after, um, Tim and Batman kind of just, or you know, Robin and Batman have like this, you know, encounter with some with some criminals at the end where, you know, Robin is like, "Well, Batman, you left yourself wide open," and Batman says, "No, I didn't. You were there." So it's kind of like a perfect like Batman and Robin trust kind of moment. It was a great way to end the issue. Uh, Terrence, yeah, this whole issue I've had a very much uh, Peter Parker Spider Man. Uh, 60s Ditko kind of feel that I really liked. And, um, you know, this beginning scene with uh, Batman and Robin, I really like the whole issue because it's kind of like the fallout of what happens. It, it's it's a good title. I, you know, Night's End Aftermath. It, it really truly is. And uh, it's, it's kind of an interesting – you're kind of not really sure how to take Bruce Wayne because, you know, he says to Robin at one point, sorry, I'm tired. And it's like – those are two things you never hear Bruce Wayne say in the yeah. Batcave. Sorry or tired. You know, usually it's it's Alfred saying, "Sir, you've been going 37 hours nonstop. You know, you must be exhausted." He's like, "No, I I can't stop. The Joker's out there." You know, and and here for him to say that, it's pretty shocking. Um, and then the rest of the issue, which we'll get to, but it's it's a lot of like what it means to be a Robin besides crime fighting and all the other stuff around you. So yeah, I, I really didn't. I enjoyed this issue a lot. Tim. 
Yeah, I agree. It's almost kind of like a good palate cleanser type issue where after the big stuff that just went down and then seeing, you know, everyone kind of take a deep breath <laughs> what, what they're going to do next. And I did find Bruce's reaction a little surprising when Tim comes down and just, like you said, uh, Terrence, him saying, I'm tired. But then before that, I'm saying, you know, like I, John Powell, Tim asked, where's John Powell Valley? And Bruce's go, he's gone. And he goes, I don't know. And right now, I just don't care. Yeah. So <laughs> Bruce's attitude was like a little surprising to see at that point but at the same time i think i can understand it too after all that he's been through it's kind of like really the first time he's able to take a, a deep breath since bane broke his back i think and it's because he went through so much since then and now it's kind of everything's taken care of take a step back and like he told tim things are going to be different to kind of see where things are going to go f- from here so i really like that aspect and then you know tim thinking he can finally have a little peace and quiet, get some sleep, but right when he hits the pedal, the bat signal comes up, and it's like, I'm already back to work again. But um, and then, I agree, Ryan, the ending of this issue with, between Batman and Robin was just really, really cool, and just sums up uh, the cool relationship that Batman has with Tim here, you know, where he asks him, you know, you were left wide open, and, and he goes, no, I didn't, you were here. I love that line of dialogue, and just that little smile Bruce has, or Batman has on his face right there, knowing that, you know, he knew Tim was going to be there all along, and he can always count on him. So, yeah, just a, a good short, you know, one issue to kind of show us where Tim and Bruce are at at this moment, but at the same time, too, showing what their first, you know, night out as Batman and Robin since this whole incident with uh, Jean-Paul Valley, a normal uh, night of them fighting crime with just some uh, basic uh, criminals here, I think was a pretty good way to see how things were going to be moving forward with them. So, yeah, I thought it was a good follow-up to the end of nights, uh, or the end of the fight between Batman and Sean Paul Valley. I also like too, um, where you know Batman says, you know, you were right there. I also like that Batman does confirm to Tim, like the job is yours if you still want it. Now let's get out of Gordon's way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we know that Zero Hour is coming up, and of course, now hindsight being twenty twenty, we know Prodigal is right around the corner. You know, he never, you were led to believe, oh, you know. Tim's still going to be Robin. Yeah, you're going to be Robin, but you're still going to be with a different Batman because Bruce is still working on things. We can talk about that as uh, things go through. Uh, Ryan, you had mentioned that there were some other parts of the uh, issue that you, you might not have quite liked. Where it was the uh, Adriana stuff? That, <laughs> Ariana. Or yeah. Ariana. See, I always say it wrong. There yeah. it is. My, I was looking at my notes of the issue, and the only thing I wrote down was Ariana sucks with <laughs> S-U-X. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, this is terrible. You know, I mean, it's just uh, poor Tim. You know, it's yeah. like we've read. It's almost like all of uh, Nightfall's happened, and all of a sudden, it's like Ariana. It's like, oh yeah, she exists. I mean, I feel like the same way that Tim does. He's like, oh yeah, we had a girlfriend, didn't we? <laughs> and then, yeah. and, he's, and then, and then they go on a date, and then she's like, oh, I cheated on you, law. And then, and then Tim just kind of falls asleep. And I'm like, man, that is just. That is classic Peter Parker, Tim Drake kind of, you know, teenage problems in there. But, you know, fortunately, it's only like a couple of pages in the issue and it's not a, really a big deal. But it's kind of funny. Yeah, I, I, I liked stuff like that. Like the, like we've said before, the Peter Parker esque that they're still doing the whole, you know, teen thing with Tim, still letting you know yeah. that they don't explore a lot of that with Batman, but with Tim, they really, Chuck spent a lot of time making his world work like he's got homework he's got school and he's got his dad back and oh by the way he's going out and punching criminals in the throat and um whoops uh 
my girlfriend uh, just cheated on me, and I might have fallen asleep when she confessed to it. So, yeah, those adds a little bit of the comical humor to it. I think that probably could have worked a little bit better out of the aftermath issue once we get past zero hour yeah. for something like that to happen. Um, I don't know if I totally liked the little comic uh, thing there um, that was going on, but, you know, it, it was a nice kind of one and done, puts a official little bow on the end of the uh, Nightfall saga. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was a, a, a nice issue overall, and uh, of course with any good comic, it always leaves you uh, asking more questions later on. So that's our discussion portion of the uh, episode. Like we normally like to do, let's look at some of the letters that people have had to uh, write in. Um, well, not to us, but <laughs> to DC in general over the whole Nightfall saga. So what do you got there, Ryan? Dear friend, I like to start my notes to you as if we're already in the middle of a conversation. I pretend that we're the oldest and dearest friends as opposed to what we actually are. People who don't know each other's names. And met in a chat room where we both claimed we'd never been before. All right, so I've got one comment from about Robin 8 from Tony Seibert from Los Angeles, and he says, Dear Jordan, Robin number 8 sure had a bunch of cute people in it. Robin and Nightwing are always cute as hell. <laughs> Bruce Wayne isn't always so cute, but everybody was cuter than usual in this issue. Um, do you think Lady Shiva would beat me up if I said she was cute or if I said she wasn't? It's quite a dilemma. She was pretty cute, though. I like the way she effortlessly neutralized Nightwing. I bet that arm was paralyzed for a half hour or so. Bruce, I mean Batman, sure looked good on the last page. Definitely not cute. It's almost as if he never has been away. I'd sure hate to be in Asbat shoes when the real Batman gets a hold of him. One thing, you have got to do something about Tim's incessant lying. It's only the eighth issue, and his father has only just returned from his ordeal, and the lying has already worn a bit thin. (laughs) And then the response is, cute, couldn't resist. Tim's incessant lying is a real problem, and don't think it isn't weighing heavily on his conscience, as upcoming issues will reveal. So I thought that was kind of funny. There is... Cute. (laughs) Yeah, but it's very cute. (laughs) Um... Oh, this is actually a, a pretty good one about um, Azrael in general. So it's like it says, Dear Gorfinkel and crew, I have been enjoying this series a lot since it began. I've been following Chuck Dixon's work since his Airboy days and think he's done a fabulous job with this character. Uh, I enjoyed the Robin miniseries except for all the variant covers. But Tom Lyle's art just never clicked for me, although I liked his Skywolf backups again in Airboy. Tom Grummet, on the other hand, has become one of my favorite artists. His work has grown by leaps and bounds since his stint on the new Teen Titans. It's simply a pleasure to behold. I just read Robin number 8, which was also part 5 of Night's End. Wow, what a story! And after all, it is a story that we want. <laughs> we shared Robin's disbelief and disappointment and Nightwing's outrage at Bruce having seemingly killed his opponent and consequently shared in his relief when we discovered it was a ruse to fool Lady Shiva. This shows once again that Bruce is Batman because he uses his head unlike Azrael who relies on brute force. Another thrill for me was seeing Bruce back in his costume as the Batman. To be honest, I hadn't expected that to happen in the pages of this title, so it came as quite a shock. Plus, we got the beginning of the return of Bane. This issue had it all, folks. I realize that a lot of longtime Batman fans have dropped the various bad books because they didn't like Azrael. It's too bad for them because they are missing one heck of a story. I just want to thank everyone involved for keeping this reader's interest. That's from Jeff Cope, San Jose, California. The response is, maybe those longtime Batman fans will listen to you when you say they are missing the ride of their lives. I don't think they've been listening to me to their great detriment. (laughs) 
And let's see here. I have. Uh, this is okay. I made sure to save this one. This is very interesting. We early in the podcast we were talking about um, people the, the, about the editors and hoping that people did not like Azrael. They try to make him you know dislikable. Mm-hmm. But there's actually one funny letter that that is the other way. So this I believe was on in relation to Detective Six Seventy Seven. It says uh, it's from Randy Beltran. And it says, Dear Bat People, my brother and I were never into the Batman titles until the Nightfall storyline. Batman was non-existent when it came to my brother and me, but when Nightfall was coming out, I thought it was going to be another boring Batman story. (laughs) The first Nightfall story we bought was Batman 497, The Breaking of the Bat. It was awesome what Bane was finally able to do with that lame punk Bruce Wayne. (laughs) My gosh. (laughs) Seeing the Batman finally get his royal bag broken was nothing short of brilliant. A lot of readers want Bruce Wayne to resume the mantle of the bat. I think that would be a massive mistake. In Legends of the Dark Knight 63, Azrael told Wayne that he was too weak and cowardly to continue being the Batman. I agree wholeheartedly with that comment. (laughs) (laughs) Wayne could never defeat Bane on his best day. I'm hoping Bane returns and finishes Bruce Wayne once and for all. You guys have been doing a great job with Nightfall Night Quest and now Night's End Stories. You will lose a lot of readers if you put Bruce Wayne back on the picture. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Man, even as an Azrael fan, I'm like, man, this guy doesn't get it. (laughs) Jean-Paul Valley, Azrael, is the reason I started reading all the Bat titles in the first place. His aggressive style, kick-butt attitude, smash your face in, ask questions later style is what I and a lot of other readers out there want to see. I usually read the letter column and all the Bat titles, and all you read is, I want Bruce Wayne to resume the mantle of the Bat. To me, that would be the biggest mistake. So please, have Azrael become the new Batman and spare me the pain. Amen. (laughs) 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 Their short response is, sorry, Rand. His name is Rand, even they call him Rand. Sorry, Rand, but I'm afraid we put you in pain, and I don't think there's a cure. Or is there? How about an Azrael ongoing? Look for it in a few short months. (laughs) Oh man, I'd love to see that guy's letter after you know the climax issue. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. I was going to write in, and I chose not to. This is a letter that's in my trash can. Yeah, uh, the final letter I've got here uh, is a pretty. I think it's a pretty good reflection on the Legends of the Dark Knight sixty three, the end of Nightfall, and there's uh, some good responses too. So it's from Kate Murray from Arlington, Virginia. It says, "Dear Archie and Jim." The conclusion of Night's End was beautifully drawn by Barry Kitson. I hadn't realized how perfect his style was for Batman and full of dramatic twists and turns that I enjoyed, but the wrap-up embodied a lot of what's been bothering me about the emphasis in the Bat titles over the past year or so. After After nine episodes bouncing through a half-dozen titles, which have been about 50% contrived ways to string out one punch-up after another, some of them graphically and grotesquely gory, Bruce finally confronts Jean-Paul on the home turf. Stripped of his armor, Jean-Paul goes belly up and ceases to be a threat. Bruce has outwitted him, thank you, instead of busting his chops. And so Bruce, dot, 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 lets him go? (laughs) Go where? Down the road with his worldly goods and a bandana over his shoulder, off to try his fortunes in the gold rush? Bruce is turning loose, a guy who spread around death and havoc through Gotham and is still walking around Gotham with the system glued in the recesses of his brain. I know Batman represents justice outside the law, but this is kind of like dumping out toxic waste and letting someone worry about it downstream, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) At the very least, isn't Jean-Paul someone who needs looking after? He's just gone through a nearly psychotic break. People in his position are a danger to themselves, if to no one else. Apparently... 
Once the fist fight stopped, the story is considered so uninteresting that the naughty ethical question of how to handle Jean-Paul is dismissible by the simple expedient of telling him, go along with you. <laughs> what happened to the Batman whose frightening prowess is secondary only to his analytical and humane traits? The Batman so, that so characterized this title in dazzlers like Shaman, Prey, and Venom. Fair, I say. <laughs> and the response is pretty good. Uh, it says... Much of what you comment on, Kate, will be one of the primary focal points of the upcoming Azrael Monthly series. The advantage to carrying such plot points over to a regular series is that the creative team has the opportunity to deal with them in more detail and expand on them as necessary, a limitation that is part and parcel of the enclosed story arc like we like those we do here in Legends of the Dark Knight. Suffice it to say, Bruce and Jean-Paul are far from finished with each other, and the ramifications of what happened in Climax will be something both men will be dealing with for some time to come. So I thought that was pretty awesome to have that addressed. They were like, no, 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 there's more to the story, and just we're keeping it going. So I thought that was pretty great. Yeah. Well, now that we've gone through the bulk of the uh, Nightfall saga that Tim was a part of, since this is Robin, everyone loves the Drake, does this still hold up after 20-some-odd years later? And how do you guys feel that it, it did justice to the to the Batman himself and Tim? And where do you kind of put this in you know, the top Batman stories? Does it, does it deserve to be... In the top five, top ten categories that some uh, people, when they write their Batman top titles. So uh, uh, let's start with you, Terrence. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole Nightfall, Night Quest, Night's End, if you look at it as one big chunk, is in a lot of ways the definitive story of Batman in the last, you know, 25, 30 years. Uh, I mean, it's, I, I think it still holds up on all levels. I think the artwork still holds up. I think the storytelling still holds up. I think. The, a lot of the issues it brings up still are issues that, you know, are relevant today in the comic book industry and in society. And I think um, the way it's been, you know, referenced in various other media, where it's really hard to, to remake it. It's really hard to redo it. And I, I kind of like that. It's something that could only exist in this comic format. But seeing how, you know, Nolan used pieces of it for his trilogy and seeing how pieces of it, you know, popped up in the, you know, animated series and Brave and the Bold and all various other, you know, um, forms. And, and it and it was cool. Like, I mean, I remember sitting in, you know, The Dark Knight Rises and when Bane picked Batman up uh, over his head and, and brought him down on his knee. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I jumped out of my seat and you yeah. know, see. <laughs> On opening day, the fans who were like, I can't believe I just saw that on the mm-hmm. screen. And it's because yeah. it came from that moment of Nightfall. And, you know, if, if Nolan tried to make Nightfall as a movie, it's just too much. And there's too it doesn't translate. But those those key pieces, those key moments, those key beats, you know, I think it's it's definitely right up there in the top 10 all time and in the top two or three or yeah, for the last 25 years. Uh, Tim. Yeah, I mean, it definitely holds up after all these years. And like I said before, previous uh, episodes of podcasts that I've been on for Everyone Loves the Drake, how much I love Nightfall and how I single-handedly contribute or tribute that to me getting into comics and just really on a monthly basis collecting them, couldn't wait to get the next issue. Um, it just really got me hooked on it. It's all thanks to the story. And part of me... As the years went by, I thought, you know, when I haven't read it for a while, 
do I hold it in such high esteem mainly for sentimental reasons because it was the first comic story I followed kind of from beginning to end but then just rereading it kind of over the years and then again for what I guess on uh, your previous episodes when you guys were talking about Nightfall I was like no it's not just for sentimental reasons I think it's the story just holds up so well it just such it's a moment in Batman's history that we really haven't seen before where he got defeated and he loses in a pretty big way to Bane and then seeing him build his way back up to take the mantle back from Jean-Paul Valley as Batman. It was just such a an interesting story to see play out and just left you not necessarily guessing, but just made you excited for what's to come to see how he's going to come all the way back to finally becoming Batman again. So yeah. And I love how you were talking about Terrence, how it, it is aspect, different aspects of the story get sprinkled out in different adaptions of Batman. Like we saw in dark Knight rises, but I will say I'm still waiting for the day. I felt this way even like back in 1993 when I first read nightfall, I'm still waiting for that. Like, as close as you can get adaption of this story, even if you can't do like Night's Quest or Night's End, just a Nightfall, because I really want to see that somehow, whether it's just an animated movie, because I'm, you know, the DC animated movies have done some of the biggest uh, comics of Batman from the 80s. They did Year One, mm-hmm. The Dark Knight Returns, The Killing Joke. So I'm thinking it's time for them to move up to some classic 90s stories. And Absolutely. Yeah, Nightfall needs to be number one on the list. So oh, I I'm guess. still hoping for one day we'll see kind of an animated adaption of that because that would just be so, so cool to experience. So, yeah, I think Nightfall is a story. In Nightfall, Night Quest, and Night's End, there's just a good trilogy of a story that's going to be, you know, remembered for a long, long time, I think is one of Batman's best. Ryan? Yeah, t- I totally agree, Tim. I mean, I mean, they even started out doing Superman Doomsday, so I think, yeah. I think Batman Nightfall is overdue for, for an adaptation, and they need to they need to figure that and crack that code and a little bit and figure out how to do that because I think it's a story worth trying to re-explore and reevaluate too. And that's the thing about Nightfall. I I do think that it's pretty underrated overall because I think that over the years its reputation has preceded it as a giant stunt event kind of thing and i think that's not really giving it enough credit honestly because you know some elements like bane have obviously endured but but like i said the the two-year stunt kind of thing i think you know especially if you're reading at the time some people might not hold it into such high regard but you know i grew up with it as my batman and the thing about that is i think it actually you know like i said earlier it it helped me nightfall helped me you know again recognize batman working in different forms of media and stuff but but nightfall in itself is as a story is a very good example of what is batman and it very clearly shows you like you know no you know bruce wayne is batman this is why and these are the principles that make him you know the character that we we love and as, you know, Denny O'Neill has talked about it a lot too. Making in the making of of Nightfall, you know, if they were going to do a stunt like this, they wanted to do it for a reason, and the the main reason wasn't just Bane or whatever. You know, break Batman. The the point was, you know, what is Batman and explore, you know, the parts of the character that that matter. And I think that Nightfall absolutely do, does do that. I th- I think too with uh, Nightfall, it really kind of cemented a lot of 
things about a lot of the characters, Robin and Bane. I mean, Bane has become a, a household name. I know to a lot of comic fans, and then people going to see like The Dark Knight Rises, they really kind of got an introduction maybe there if they were really only kind of loosely following comics, or if their their Batman was only on the silver screen, they got to see you know a version of Bane, but had really become a household name because of that. But all this comes back to all the writing that everybody had done uh, in this uh, whole series. And it really kind of elevated Robin and kind of launched him kind of into the comic stratosphere. Like just in the last episode that Terrence and I did about the Demon comics, that they could sell comics to Bat fans based off of the Tim Drake Robin name being attached uh, to the book. And just how Batman's whole story uh, kind of started. You have, in, in any really good story, you've got to build up a character and got to tear him down. And when you put the pieces back together, it has to be stronger than what it was when the story first started. And I think that it clearly does that in Nightfall. And it leaves you know, the Bat fans moving forward into the books that will come with the direction uh, Batman is going to take. And once we get through, you know, Zero Hour and you kind of find once we go farther in, we get into No Man's Land, the things that were happening in No Man's Land directly kind of come right back into Nightfall, all the prep work Bruce was doing in that time where he had mm-hmm. stepped out of the spotlight for a while. So this is always something that is one of those reads where I'll go, oh, I'll just I'll read the first chunk of Nightfall periodically, and then before I know it, I've kind of gone through the whole series. And on one thing that Ryan and I recently both purchased is to kind of show you the staying power of Nightfall, uh, the Omnibus uh, has just come out for Volume 1, and this thing <laughs> will break your spine just like uh, uh, <laughs> Batman, exactly. uh, like Bane did. It's It's beautifully done if you haven't, uh, if you don't have any of the volumes, or even if you do, this is this is something to behold. It's it, the coloring is just so crisp, and the artwork is great. Plus, all the bonus things that you get and designs, and uh, other little things of Bane coming into uh, Wayne Manor, and all the things that he was having to do to get through Wayne Manor, and then him taking out Alfred. Um, I had never seen that before. This is something I wanted to ask you right now that you've had the book. Was mm-hmm. this were you ever aware that this existed uh, before this trade? No, and I was wondering what that was for. Was that like a like a pitch, like a short thing to show what Bane was, or the idea of of what they wanted to do with the character? Or I, I couldn't really understand exactly what that was created for. Yeah, because I, I was looking on the sides. It, it looks like it's you know done on the you know, comic page, but you can't see anything it says all rights reserved under you know communications yeah. for dc comics but it doesn't say that this was uh, omitted pages from you know 497 or anything like that yeah. but it's, it's we should ask chuck dixon he'll tell us yeah i think the next time we have him on the show we're definitely going to have to uh ask but i think this thing is really cool and it's, uh, uh has me excited to uh, i knew pretty much what was going to be in this volume, it's the next volume yes. of, like, I want all the search stuff, and I think they're really going to yeah. do it. And it's, it even has my curiosity peaked of what the third volume is uh, right. is going to be like as well. So, Yeah, um, it's, 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 it's great. It's a hardback book. It's got brand new Kelly Jones wraparound artwork yeah. on it. And it's slightly oversized, too, from a normal comic book, too. So it's, it's a little bit bigger. So the artwork just pops that much more. 
and and it does have that extra stuff, and it's got a you know two interviews in there too. One of them was with Chuck Dixon too, and I think Doug Doug Munch, uh, is in there too. So there's a lot of great stuff, and like you said, Rob, the next volume is what I'm definitely interested in. if they're going to take it because I know that they're finally reprinting the search stuff, then yeah. which they've never done, and I'm curious to see if there will be this much more bonus stuff in it or not and and is and that's going to be and there's going to be three volumes and they're gigantic yeah so it's thank goodness it's going to finally be like the the absolute definitive uh you know books for nightfall finally definitely so the podcast from here i i'm really kind of excited where the three of us are going to move forward a lot of batman podcasts have kind of covered a lot of the same things that we've covered you know ours obviously is very tim drake centered but moving past this aside from one of their podcasts that i can recall being hey kids comics they did cover the prodigal stuff but this is where people that are covering batman on normal podcasts this is kind of where they stop so where we can really kind of focus on tim drake uh moving forward and his interactions in his own solo book and we'll We'll obviously be dipping back and forth between Detective and um, Batman, where the stories kind of meet up. So I'm really looking forward to uh, moving forward. It's been great having you on, Tim. Where can the good people uh, find you if they want to get a hold of you uh, beyond this show? As we mentioned earlier, you can find me on the, uh, the Bat Fans podcast, where we talk Batman, but amongst other stuff, too, <laughs> that we enjoy. That's the title, Bat Fans, is not just reference to Batman, but all the other stuff we geek out about, where it's like baseball music and star wars and just everything that we're into so you can check that out on our on twitter at bat fans podcast and then if you're into star wars you can check out my star wars podcast star wars the saga continues website is www.starwarstsc.com or on twitter at star wars tsc and if you just want to follow me on social media you can follow me on twitter at tim g311 uh, what do you guys have coming up on uh, uh bat fans any uh, any special things that uh, listeners can be looking out for yeah, well, I next episode, well, unfortunately, we're going to be, you know, have to give a little tribute to Adam West and, you know, with his passing kind of similar to what we did at the beginning here. So look for more of that on our next episode. And also, too, I know something big went down in Batman 24 that just came out. <laughs> yeah. I know what it oh, is. What? I haven't read it. So it's been a busy week, so I'm looking forward to getting that issue and seeing how it all goes down. So you'll be able to hear my review of that big event that's happening with the Batman topics on next episode. So I myself am looking forward just to finding out how it's gonna, how it all plays out and how it goes down. I wasn't able to get my comics this week. The guy that does our comics uh, was on vacation, and thanks to the internet, I already know, um, which I'm still a little little bitter about. But anyway, um, that'll be kind of interesting to hear uh, your your thoughts on that. Yeah, and I, I would say um, if you want to hear a good podcast, I was listening to the Bat Fans yesterday while cutting the grass. Uh, your Wonder Woman episode, which has a little bit of everything—music, reviews, sports—you know, uh, yeah. ba- baseball <laughs> breakdown—and uh, amazingly enough, Dane actually liked the movie. It's shocking. It's, I couldn't I believe know. it. I was, yeah. I was on pins and needles waiting for his response. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just glad he enjoyed it. Yeah, it's rare for him to be this positive for a DCEU movie. So it was great to finally – we could finally geek out on something we both really, really love. So that was nice. Yeah, yeah I, 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 Oh, sorry, Terrence. I, I went into that episode going, well, I know Dane's going to hate it. And then I was like, oh, wow, he didn't. <laughs> yeah, and I just saw that uh, Wonder Woman, it came across a couple hours ago, uh, had the second, uh, the highest second 
weekend opening or second weekend and not opening. Uh, it's the second weekend. It can't be the opening. Had the highest second weekend gross of any DCEU film. It beat Suicide Squad, BVS, Man of Steel. So it's doing well. So I'm, I'm pretty psyched about that. Hopefully this is where I, I feel like we've, we've got to get to and get past Justice League. But we'll let, let's just we'll savor the Wonder Woman that we have right now before getting to uh, November and seeing how that that ship's going to sail. Hey, I got to say, though, after seeing Wonder Woman, seeing the trailer for Justice League on the big screen, it looked real. I thought it looked really good on the big screen. You know what? It's kind of exciting. I got (laughs) to complain because I've seen Wonder Woman twice and I have not seen the Justice League trailer. What? (laughs) Last trailer before the movie starts. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen Wonder Woman twice in two different theaters. I saw it in the in a Regal IMAX, and it did not have the Justice League trailer. And yesterday, I saw it in 3D at a Cinemark, and it did have the Justice League trailer. So it's it's who knows? <laughs> yeah. How did I saw it in 2D? How did it look in 3D? 3D is pretty good. I mean, it's yeah. not really that much of a difference, but but IMAX 3D is pretty spectacular. I will say that. I've never seen a 3D movie. I've always, I, I want to go see an IMAX movie, but uh, you've never seen an IMAX movie, have you? No, uh, other than going to like an amusement park, like a Cedar Point, where they have you know space shuttle training, you know that's yeah. like 25 minutes long. But I've never seen a, a full length feature movie in Dark IMAX. Night, Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises are just spectacular in IMAX. Uh, I wanted to go see those two movies when they came out in IMAX. It just it didn't work out time wise. Mm-hmm. We've got to drive like almost an hour to an IMAX theater. So mm-hmm. I told my wife for Justice League. I'm like, I, I really want to go. So hopefully you that'll, should. that'll be yeah, that'll happen. Well, this is where we're going to put a pin in it. Thanks for uh, tuning in to our little longer uh, episode here. This could wind up being a two-parter, depending on how this thing is edited, put together. But uh, thanks for tuning in to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake. And more importantly, thanks for tuning in to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Take care. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguin's lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at Robin ELTD Podcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media, also over at our host, TBU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. 
Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care.